Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, welcome and hello. Give me a high side. <laughs> we are excited about today, okay? Mostly because, why, Kristen? Well, first, I've been drinking beer, so I'm just having a blast. <laughs> yeah, I feel is. like I'm at a tailgate. And second, we just have a lot to cover today. Kayla already mm-hmm. showed me what this fool looks like. Yeah. And it's just sloppy jalopy. So it's going to be <laughs> we fun. We just have to wait, but it's just going to be a fun day. Yes. And before we get started, I do want to let you guys know that this case was recommended by so many of you so many of you i think it was like at least 15 that i could find like in my dms yes and in the emails yes girl yes Mm. and we're gonna get into it okay it's horrific so just prepare yourselves i will say right at the top there's a bunch of the r word in this show or in this episode and a lot of details that really suck and are vulgar and terrible so oh my god Uh, prepare yourselves all right here we go Okay. Oh, wait, we have an announcement I need to make. So we are announcing the $100 giveaway winner on Instagram on Friday this week. So make sure you guys have your post notifications on to know when we're going live. I think we agreed on what time, Kristen? Like 3 p.m.? One of those. I think it was three. Something like that. You guys can turn your post notifications on for that. It's going to be really, really fun. Are you excited? You should be. Also... You still have a chance to enter, so just subscribe to our YouTube channel, Black True Crime Podcast, and you're good to go. We will also be announcing that we will be going somewhere really special this summer, and you guys will have a chance to see us. And we're really excited about that. I'm lit! (laughs) (laughs) She's lit for more reasons than one, because I don't want to spoil it. Don't just, spoil it. You, you have to you have to show up for that live. And if you don't, don't worry. We will just post it on the page and you can get it then. But yeah, mm-hmm. super exciting. Okay, are you ready to get started, sister? Kayla, let's get into it. Okay. I've always wondered how a single person can terrorize an entire city. How they're able to outwit police and investigators for years while continuing to mercilessly take lives. Well, in today's case, you're all going to be wondering the exact same thing because this killer went on a two-year murder spree that had black women all around Charlotte, South Carolina, scared to fall asleep. Join us as we discuss the Taco Bell strangler, Henry Louis Wallace. Thank you to everyone that requested this case. Sorry, I can't name everyone. So sorry. Not Taco Bell. Kristen, please. Literally no, Taco Bell. No, you please. Taco Bell stranger? <laughs> Are you, I mean, strangler? <laughs> they called him a couple things, but he really goes by, yeah, I guess, the Taco Bell strangler. Mm, mm, mm. Just a damn shame. So 
Henry Lewis Wallace was born on November 4th, 1965 in Barnwell, South Carolina. Kristen, <laughs> what happened in black history in 1965? Okay, everybody. So 1965 was a popping year and really for the whole world. So we're going to take it around the world in 1965. The BTC Black Edition. Are Ooh. you ready? Yes. Let's start with North America because hello, I'm here. Um, <laughs> February 21st, Malcolm X, known black nationalist and black Muslim, was assassinated. Oh, shit. So, right. R.I.P. Malcolm X. For those of you who don't know Malcolm X, Malcolm X advocated for black self-defense, black economic autonomy, black power, and black folks take their black ass back to Africa. <laughs> So we have that that happened on February 21st, 1965. Moving on, <laughs> Congress passed the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Now, this basically made it easier for black folks in the South to vote. They were up against a lot from the Jim Crow laws to people just hating. And they weren't it wasn't they weren't making it easy for them to vote. So Congress passed this Voting Rights Act to make it easier for blacks in the South to vote. Mm -hmm. Now, this was partially in response to a very violent attack on peaceful demonstrators led by Martin Luther King Jr., bless his heart. Mm. And what happened was state troopers basically ran, rained fire and tear gas and beat all of these black folks who were peacefully marching in the street and actually coined this day to be Bloody Sunday. Disgusting. Moving on. In Africa, a bunch of decolonization was going on. Mm -hmm. Starting in West Africa, Gambia, which is a country in West Africa, gained independence from Great Britain on February 18th, 1965. Oh, Yay, dope. Gambia. Yay, independence. Period. November 11th, Rhodesia, which is now known as Zimbabwe, gained independence from Great Britain on November 11th. Now, this was kind of annoying because they wouldn't actually be recognized as a real state until 15 years later. But of I digress. Not. Right. South Africa actually had their own little struggles there. Um, 1964, just a year prior, Nelson Mandela was actually sentenced to a life imprisonment. Wow, that's shitty. So that's what we have for Around the World in 1965. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> Thank you, sister. Thank you so much for that trip down history lane. So, Henry Louis Wallace was born on November 4th, 1965 in Barnwell, South Carolina. His mother's name was Lottie Mae Wallace, and his father wasn't really in his life because he was a married man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was a married school teacher, and when he found out Lottie was pregnant with their second child, <laughs> yeah, Kristen, they had a whole child already. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Her name was Yvonne. They had her three years earlier. He just stopped fucking with her completely. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Didn't give a damn. So Lottie was a single mother and she already had a hard life growing up for herself. Her own mother died when she was really young and her father ended up abandoning the family after that. Mm -hmm. So she had abandonment issues. You know, she was lonely and she turned all of that shit into like bitterness and also because her dad, her baby daddy wasn't shit, she had to work like hella long hours at the textile factory or whatever. So right. she was just kind of overall miserable and she made life for her children even more miserable. Oh no. Yeah. Someone close to the family later claimed that Lottie, quote, sought to control her son through violence, emotional abuse, and other inappropriate means. And she's basically beaten up every man who left her. Oh yeah, for her sure. her own son, her own seed. 
Yep. And I was thinking, I was like, maybe he just looks a lot like his dad and that's why she's like that. But I just think she had a lot of just, you know, hate and anger in her and she took it out on her kids. Yeah. Terrible. Even while Henry was being potty trained, if he had an accident, he would be like berated viciously to the point that he was so scared when he made an accident, he would just try to get rid of the evidence you know, like hide his clothes and stuff like that. So his mom wouldn't see because she was so fucking mean. Wow. And that's at a really young age. Super like young. To be trying to dodge and dip your mom at the age of like two, three, four. That's sad. Yeah, that's crazy. So imagine dealing with all of this. Plus the great grandmother and Lottie argued constantly. They all like lived together in the same house. Mm-hmm. And both of them were like super controlling women and just was always fighting. Ugh, annoying super annoying and not only did the house have no fucking electricity or plumbing hello it was run down crusty they had to use something called a watershed that had chamber pots inside of it to like use the bathroom Mm, mm, mm. i'm like trying to even see if that's a thing in 1965 like this even in 1970 hell no it's not this is like boondocks back of the country type living Kristen. this is really bad a step up above camping a step up above caveman homelessness <laughs> under the fucking causeway oh, so no. so yeah he's like dealing with this as a young kid he's dealing with it with his sister and when lottie felt like the children needed to be disciplined she would have them go outside and pick out their own switch and i feel like no. you know a lot of look at Kristen. i feel yeah, like a lot sorry. a lot of black people know how that feels mm-hmm. but she would also have them whoop each other if she was too tired from work to whoop them herself that's rude that is damaging that is trauma extremely damaging and in an interview later henry would admit that having to hurt his sister hurt him more than anything else oh kayla i'm out for the count already i know and he's so young why would she do that you're ooh, lottie yeah lottie may lottie dottie we like to party um <laughs> no no i'm not here for that and like i can't even imagine you seeing your brother spanking you like right your little I'm brother supposed to be cool with him right after this yeah <laughs> like, yeah i mean it's just you don't work? just emotionally traumatizing confusing all of the above And he loved his sister. That's one person he loved. He never argued with her and never complained about having to like empty out the family chamber pots every single day. Like that was his chore, which is something you think like maybe the oldest would do. But, you know, for me, I'm the oldest and I tell you to go to hell. I tell him (laughs) and do it yourself. (laughs) Period. No, you get your ass beat. Okay, and pick out this. I'll pick out whatever switch I gotta pick out, but I ain't touching that shit. No thanks. Anyway, Henry went to John F. Myers Elementary School, and you know, being around all those other kids, he longed to be like them because most of them like had their dads in their life. They got to play like stickball and fly kites together and stuff, but Henry didn't have that. And that's that's really all he wanted at the time. And when he would ask his mom about his dad, she would always be like, stop bringing that nigga up. Like, can you just drop it? How are you depressed? Traumatizing him even more. I was about to say, like, as a little boy, you clearly want to know about your dad. And she had no sympathy for that. No, Kristen, she had no sympathy for that. But when Henry was in sixth grade, his father randomly called and spoke to him. 
which oh is like God. super crazy. He introduced himself and told Henry he really wanted to meet him and that he would come over later in the week to do just that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So naturally, Henry is on fucking cloud nine. He gets to see his daddy. Wow. And he's so excited that he didn't even go to school the next day. He didn't want to miss him. You know what I'm saying? He was looking. He said he looked out of his mom's window and just watched every car come by thinking it was his dad. But he waited that day and the next day and the day after that. And his dad never showed up. You dick Mm -hmm. going out of your way to introduce yourself to contact him and then you flake on him. And then you you flake like what in the world? I couldn't. It's just the toxicness for me. You getting Mm -hmm. it from mom and you getting it from dad. Where do you go? No break. I hope Yvonne was like loving, you know, but he loved her. So it seemed like they had a good relationship. Mm -hmm. But that issue with his dad like that incident henry claimed really fucked him up psychologically and is something he would never forget i believe it Mm -hmm. in 1979 henry started at barnwell high school where he was actually well accepted by like his classmates and his teachers his teachers thought he was great lottie wouldn't let him join the football team so henry made sure he was as close to the game as he could get and became a cheerleader period Kristen was a cheerleader. He was the only guy on the team, too. So that's pretty dope. But the girls loved him. He didn't make them feel uncomfortable. He they said he was like super respectful and nice and just good vibes. So I love him already. Everyone loves Henry. And then he graduated from high school in May 1983 when he was 18. So dope. After graduating, Henry tried college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. He went to South Carolina State College for a semester and then Denmark Technical College for a semester, but he failed both. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He didn't really have the drive to go to college. Yeah. He didn't give a shit too much about it. And he'd rather just do his night job, which was a disc jockey at a radio show called WBAW. Okay. And it was local and he was just, you know. That sounds pretty- like a vibe, honestly. Kristen, he was good at it too. Like he's just annoyingly good at everything that he tries. <laughs> On air, he called himself the Knight Rider, which is like pretty gross now because we all know that Richard Ramirez got famous and went by the Knight Rider, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. killing people, terrible. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of ironic that they both end up, you know, murdering folks. Yes, yes, sister. He was well-liked on the radio show, too. The listeners liked that he was funny and easygoing, and the women liked his speaking voice. Gross. Mm. So it was looking like Henry was going to make a career out of this, right? Like, he didn't have to go to college, and he was already doing super well, but he fucked that up when he got caught stealing CDs from his job. How corny. (laughs) Soup's corny. So with nothing going for him at this point, Henry decided to join the U.S. Navy and was shipped off to Orlando, Florida for boot camp in December of 1984. Bye. Bye. And when I tell you Henry was successful at that, too. (laughs) God, he's so annoying. He's annoying because it's like, oh, you're a talented mother ever and you're squandering it. Completely squanders it to hell, to the pits. According to a social worker that worked on Henry's case, quote, 
He was described as an outstanding seaman who willingly followed all orders given to him and accomplished his assigned tasks in a timely manner. It was noted that his knowledge level was higher than expected of a seaman. End quote. So smart guy. Yeah. Henry was promoted multiple times. His highest rank was third class petty officer and his achievement record was almost perfect. So he really went in there and showed the fuck out. Yeah, and just did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. But everything wasn't perfect in Henry's life. While in the military, he married a woman named Moretta Brab- Brabham. Mm. Mm-hmm. They dated. They dated on and off since sophomore year of high school. And even though Moretta had a daughter by another man before her and Henry got serious, Henry welcomed her with open arms, took her in as his own, and even adopted her. Oh. Wow, Kayla, who's the who's the villain here? Henry? Because <laughs> I can't tell so far. Kristen, aren't you confused emotionally? Yes, I'm trying yes. to like root for him, but I know you're going to slam me down in just a second. I didn't do it. He does. Yeah, he does do it. Fuck. But you tell the tale. I do, and I tell it well. <laughs> <laughs> that came quick, fast, and in a hurry. <laughs> Came from my heart. All right. Yes. He loved their little family, but wanted more children, a child of his own. And Moretta refused to ever have children again. She said, this isn't happening. I can't do it. Ah, Moretta. Well, hey, to each his own, that's her body. Her body, her choice. Well, where was he at when he was telling her, oh, that's not what I want, but I got married to your ass anyway? That's the thing. We don't know if those conversations happened, you know, when they were Mm -hmm. dating and stuff like that, but... Mm -hmm. And oftentimes men think that women will change their minds and women think that men will change their minds. I've seen it. (laughs) So after that, this caused a huge rift in their relationship. Okay. And this next part may be a little bit like too much information, but it's significant. Their sex life took a huge blow as well. And Henry felt that it was because Moretta had been raped as a teenager. Oh, no. So I don't think it's really fair to say that because they'd had a relationship since then. But either way, you know, their relationship was really in fucking shambles. And at this point, Henry was like, listen, Moretta, let's go to counseling. You know, let's get some help. And she was like, counseling. And she just went the fuck off. It wasn't a vibe. <laughs> okay, so she's the toxic one. Like, that's we don't the vibe know. I'm hearing. We don't know. This is according to Henry, and he is a murderer. So... <laughs> You know, some murderers aren't liars. Please, Kristen. I I believe that there are some murderers out there that may have murdered and told the truth about it. (laughs) But technically, (laughs) they aren't lying. But this man, Henry Lewis Wallace, is a fucking liar. liar. (laughs) Got it. But yeah, so with these issues, their relationship was just going downhill. Mm -hmm. In 1992, the couple was living in Seattle when Henry was arrested for breaking and entering near the naval base he was working at for what stupid i don't know what he broke and entered for kristen i have no idea but he did it once once the navy found out he was discharged from the service and because of his almost perfect record they allowed him to be discharged honorably honorably yeah Mm -hmm. so almost immediately after henry was discharged moretta left his ass (laughs) period bye So with no family and no job, Henry moved back to Charlotte, North Carolina, South Carolina, sorry, and moved in with his mother and sister. This is sad. Like Henry, you had it all. 
Yeah, and you wanted to what? Like, is it in you to just be a stealer, to be a klepto? When I was researching this and all this type of stuff, at this point, I was like, why would he do that? Why would he break into somebody's house? I read while in the Navy, Henry picked up some really fucked up habits, including mm-hmm. drug use. Mm-hmm. He used a lot of different types of them, including crack cocaine. And you already know how crack turns you, bitch. You're fiending, you're itching. You got to do whatever yep. you can to get get you know the fuck fix yeah but i also read that he'd experimented with drugs at a really early age which doesn't surprise me because we know all the shit he went through and then after moretta left he picked the drug habits back up because you know he just wanted to numb that pain and stuff so okay whichever one it's he's on drugs And like I said, I think we all know how drug addicts usually are. You know, they turn into liars and thieves and murderers. And this was kind of the point of no return for Henry. Okay. This is sad. This is very sad. After moving back home, he was still heartbroken about Moretta because he still, you know, really loved her. And yeah, he was going on dates with a couple other women around town and, you know, fucking. He he even had a baby girl with one of them in 1993, but he was always, you know, wanting Moretta. Wow. The relationship with his... Oh, yeah. He was in a chokehold. The relationship with the mother of his child didn't work out, but his daughter Kendra was the light of his life always. So it seemed like he like wanted to be a good dad, right? He didn't have yeah. one. His goal was to be a good dad. Yeah. But clearly he got fucking sidetracked because, yeah. I don't know if it was because of the drug use or because he just didn't give a fuck. And it's probably a mixture of both, but he just could not hold down a job. Mm-hmm. He had so many different jobs. He worked as like a a chemical operator he worked at taco bell you know he worked at a lot of different places and it just nothing sticked it's not somebody i know honestly who travion kayla took the words (laughs) out of my mouth girl i just want to forget him (laughs) no shade travion if you listen it's no shade but i've never changed how i felt about you never she's been a hundred all the way through and i always will be So Henry's drug use was so heavy, though, it was unlocking some like dark shit in his heart Mm. and in his head. So right now we're really about to get into where are the carnage and horribleness happen. So do you want to take a break, sister? Yes, let's take a break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Friday, June 19th, 1992. The manager of Bojangles on Central Avenue called a woman named Kathy Love to let her know that her sister, Carolyn Love, had not shown up to work for the last few days and asked her to please, like, just check on her. Kathy was like, okay, what the fuck? Where's my sister? And rushed over to Carolyn's house immediately. And when she got there, she didn't notice anything suspicious at first. There was like nothing out of place. So she just left a note for Carolyn and asked her to call her when she gets home. Mm -hmm. Carolyn had a roommate named Sadie McKnight. And when Kathy spoke to her, Sadie said she was worried too, because it's just not like Carolyn to just disappear. So the women went to the police. Police learned that Carolyn was last seen on Monday, the 15th. She worked 
was driven home by her cousin who saw her walk into her home. So like she actually got home and they know that she planned to do laundry because she got a $10 roll of coins from her boss before leaving. Okay. When police searched her apartment, they could tell that there had been some sort of scuffle in the house. Ooh. Mm-hmm. They also could tell that her clothes were so dirty. So this means she never made it to the laundromat before she was attacked by someone and that they probably took her bed sheets with them. Yep. Police continued to search for Carolyn, but unfortunately she wouldn't be found alive and her body wasn't discovered for another two years. Good Lord. Yes. Oh, Carolyn, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Rest in peace, Carolyn. I mean, two years until finding her? Good God. Where did he put her is the great question. Yes. And how was he able to, like, kill her so effortlessly like that with leaving no trace behind? A question I still have right now. Eight months later, Friday, February 19th, 1993, a woman named Sylvia Sumter was in a panic when she noticed her daughter, Shauna Hawk, was not home after classes at a community college. It was freezing cold outside, but Shauna's purse and her jacket were still at home. So her mom's like, oh, absolutely not. Exactly. So Sylvia called Taco Bell where Shauna was working part time, but she wasn't there. And then she called Shauna's boyfriend, Daryl Kirkpatrick, who drove over to help Sylvia look for Shauna. And when the two were searching the house to find like, you know, clues of maybe where she went, Daryl wandered into the downstairs bathroom where he noticed that the carpet was soaked and the shower curtain was like in disarray. So he glared through the curtain and he thought he saw a person sort of crouched down in the corner. And when he pulled it back, he saw Shauna laying naked in the tub full of water with her head submerged. No. Yes. And she was like facing up so he could see her eyes open and just lifeless. Oh, Oh my God. The horror. Kristen, literally. Shauna she was, was murdered in her own home. In her own house. She was still taken to the hospital where she was unfortunately pronounced dead. The autopsy revealed that she had multiple skull lacerations suggesting she was hit with a dull, heavy object. But her cause of death was determined to be strangulation. No, Kayla. Yeah. Police interviewed everyone and anyone close to Shauna, but they failed to find a suspect. So rest in peace, Shauna. Rest in peace, Shauna. This is blowing my mind on how swift this guy is being. He's just moving in and out with no effing trace. Kristen, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I don't even know if it's with no trace because we're going to get to it. The police ain't shit. How is he getting into these women's homes? (laughs) We're going to get to it, sister. Fight me. (laughs) Okay. Four months later, 24-year-old Audrey Spain, a young, hardworking woman, was considered missing after she hadn't shown up for her shift at Taco Bell for two nights in a row. Anyone that knew Audrey knew that, you know, super unlike her, the girl would work. And the manager was super concerned and tried calling Audrey and her sister, but neither woman answered. So he took it upon himself to just drive past her apartment building to see if he could spot anything maybe out of the norm or something that could help. And when he got there, he saw that her car was outside. So he's like, okay, maybe she's home. So he went up to her door and he knocked and there was no answer. The next day, he called maintenance at Audrey's apartment and pleaded with them. And they agreed to check it out. And when the maintenance man entered the apartment, he saw Audrey laying naked across the bed with a t-shirt and bra tied around her neck. 
And the medical examiner said that she died from strangulation, but she was also raped. Oh, my God. This dude is really starting to piss me off. Oh, yeah. This case is going to infuriate you the entire time. And I included all the information that I could because you guys know if it's available, I like to put it in here for you. But it gets really, really dark. So please just beware. Light a candle. Do whatever you got to do. Like, it just sucks. All of these women are freaking beautiful, cute, black, and he's just coming into their homes, taking their peace and killing them. How is he doing this? And And where did this come from? Thank you. Where did this come from? And part of me was like, is this coming from the fact that his, you know, marriage fell apart? Mm -hmm. But I can't even say that. And we'll get to it. So there have been three young, beautiful women killed in the same area months apart in very similar ways. And yet none of the police or newspaper journalists picked up on the fact that this all could be done by one person. They had no fucking idea, Kristen. Because they weren't looking. No. And with the summer coming up, there were more crimes that the police needed to focus on. So the investigations into the women's murders essentially just had to wait whole murders whole people being killed but you had something else better to do lives taken exactly wow fucked up okay so at this point in my research i had so many questions like did shauna and argie work at the same taco bell because it's seeming like they probably did and if so i would as a like investigator i will be looking at everyone and anyone that worked at the you know taco bell currently previously worked close to it just looking to see if they had you know rap sheets whatever if they did something like that i'm almost a hundred percent positive they would have already found him like that yep i agree so it really just feels like they're not putting in any real effort to even investigate these cases now can we confirm that the two girls worked at the same taco bell i can confirm that the two girls work at the same taco bell are you joking me i'm not joking i'm pissed like that's that's literally me saying what's next is okay so the killer might work at taco bell yes but they didn't know that they didn't put two and two together idiots Mm -hmm. 19 year old valencia jumper was going to college in columbia south carolina in august of 1993 and was working at food lion which is a grocery store if you guys don't know as well as a clothing store to put herself through school homegirl was working okay she was about her coin period But all of her hard work and dreams would come to an end on Monday, August 9th, 1993, when one of her guy friends smelled something burning when he started to approach her doorway. He then saw black smoke and called 911. He couldn't enter the apartment because, you know, the smoke and it was bolted shut, he said. So he had to wait for authorities to knock the door down. And when they entered, they found Valencia on her bed. And from the scene, it looked like she started to cook something in the pot on the stove and then fell asleep while it was cooking. So Mm. the fire started. Mm. And if you're on Patreon, that's Valencia. The coroner examined Valencia's charred remains and concluded that she died of thermal burns. Police wouldn't even know that Valencia was actually murdered until her killer confessed to his crimes. Wow. I am thoroughly upset. You really think I fell asleep? Thank you. While cooking something? And I know this is probably something that happens. I'm not clowning anyone who does fall asleep when they're cooking something. But this is another black woman close in the same vicinity as the other people that are murdering. Or from what I can assume... And they don't 
don't put two and two together. They just think, oh, it was an accident. She fell asleep. Bless her heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And according to her killer, he literally said that he saw a bottle of alcohol, poured it on her body, and then put a can of pork and beans on the stove and, like, I guess, lit the fire or something like that. That's how he did it. So if they even thought to even try to see if she had alcohol residue on her body, come on, you know, like, come on. And it's 1993, but I don't give a shit. I don't give a hot damn. And I'm so (laughs) pissed off that this man is so like, it seems like he's just effortlessly killing. Oh, effortless. Oh, yeah. Kristen. Yes. 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 And he continues. And he seems to be becoming even more confident because Mm -hmm. the murders as of now start to pick up. They start to become more frequent. Now, as we look back at the victims and what they look like, do Mm -hmm. you think that there is a potential thing that connects all of their looks? Like, do they look similar? Well, basically they're all between like 17 and 35. He picks, you know, black women. They're all black women. I can be more pointed with his victim pool i I should say once we get deeper into the case Mm -hmm. because i don't want to spoil anything Mm -hmm. on wednesday september 15th michelle stinson was found strangled and stabbed by her three-year-old and one-year-old sons on their kitchen floor good god the older boy ran to a neighboring friend and told him that his mommy was sleeping on the floor wow and when the man ran over he found that michelle was in a pool of blood and cold to the touch Michelle was stabbed with a knife from her own kitchen in the upper left side of her of her back, which severely damaged her heart and her lungs. No. Yeah. Oh, so this he's is so escalating. scary. Escalating. Super like the violence is taking it up a notch. The medical examiner also found that Michelle had been raped and then strangled, and the strangling happened while she was already dying from the stab wound and like basically comatose. This is disgusting. So basically Sorry guys. He's a pan. He, and for all of us who knows what that is, you know what I mean. A pussy ass nigga? Yes. There you go. So naturally, the police are questioning family, friends, and neighbors, and they are coming up with nothing. Even though all of these murders have taken place within a five mile radius. Kayla, don't tell me that. I knew it was going to be something stupid. I don't even know how to process that. And yeah. they're all black women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like if you don't see an mo are you not looking that's the only way you can't see it it's like if they're not doing the exact same thing these people have no idea what's going on because the reason why they can't put these together is because the the mo's are different you know mm-hmm. they're not being necessarily killed in the exact same way so but it's just a not... five mile radius that's like are you joking and and the time span is what Maybe a matter of months between each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the black and the black community in Charlotte at this time was sick and motherfucking tired, Chris. They were pissed. (laughs) They felt like the local media and politicians were too lazy and basically racist to even care, you know, and do what they really needed to do to protect the women in the community. And to try to appease the black community, what did the government do? They assigned a black man to the case to solve it. 
Okay. Because of course they think we're going to be like less harsh on our, you know, own people. Own people. Dude, <laughs> is he of any substance? Because if he's an dead idiot, wrong. I'm still pissed. Just they were dead wrong. I'm like, does he, <laughs> do they know anything about black people? Like, we don't care if you're black, if you're stupid. We're going to tell you. <laughs> we're going to clown you. Like, are we're you joking? <laughs> and they were clowning a homicide sergeant, Gary McFadden. He's the one that they put, you know, over it. Mm-hmm. And he actually said out of his mouth quote quote the community hated me and in a way i felt like a scapegoat it was total conflict end quote and i'm like duh you, you already were. knew that you, you were the it. scapegoat <laughs> you were the black motherfucker that they threw at other black <laughs> folks to try to yeah. make them happy exactly but gary was able to speak to the family members of the victims and he was able to soothe their minds a little bit which helped you know with the overall feel of the community. He said, quote, I spoke with each of the affected family families personally, and they calmed down. I expressed my sympathy as well as my determination to bring their loved one's murderer to justice, end quote. Okay. So hopefully he's being genuine, you know? Hopefully he's just in a shit situation and the optics are looking crazy, but his heart's in the right place. Right. And that he can actually solve this case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so after this public appeal and after the increased police patrol of the targeted area there were no related murders for the rest of the year and into the beginning of january 1994 mm-hmm. now it's getting tough because now he's gone cold yeah so now you can't like, even take new go? evidence from new killings to help find him exactly but the public and the police felt like they may have just scared him off right he may have just relocated and they can take a load off until sunday february 20th 1994 Barbara Little went to pick up her grandchild from her daughter, Vanessa Mack's house, so that she could go to work at the Carolinas Medical Center. When she arrived around 6 a.m., she saw the front door ajar and thought it was, like, not normal. Mm -hmm. But she just assumed that if she calls to them, you know, they'll answer. But no one answered when she called out. When Barbara stepped into the house, she knew something was wrong. She saw Vanessa's four-month-old sleeping on the couch, and she was still wearing the same clothes she was wearing from yesterday. Hmm. But she, but she didn't see Vanessa, so she's like, you know, her baby would she wouldn't leave her baby looking like this with this door open like this. Exactly, she's adorable. I know. Barbara checked all over the house, and when she got to the bedroom, she did a double take at the bed itself, and what she initially thought was just a bundle of covers was actually her daughter partially naked and just thrown into like an awkward position on the bed she had a pillowcase wrapped around her throat and barbara just picked up the baby and ran to the neighbor to call the police oh my god kayla can you i can't even fathom what What she was going through and the fact that she had to double take bitch that will haunt me for the rest of my life a vision she can never get rid of that's like every woman. time I look at something and then I got to relook to see what it really is. No, Are you no, joking? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm feeling the trauma. <sighs> oh my goodness. The first patrolman on the scene took one look at Vanessa and said he felt that the strangler or someone like him had struck again. Because remember, they don't know if this is the same person or multiple mm-hmm. people. They're still just mm-hmm. in the fucking dark. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about what the fuck was going on with Henry at this okay. time. Okay. So after Vanessa's murder, he went back to his place like he always did and watched the news while he ate dinner to see if there was any mention of the murder. Because he's just really dirty, dusty, nasty, ugly, gross, and creepy. 
And he clearly loves what he does. You dickhead. A hundred, a hundred percent. And to his satisfaction, there was no mention of it or even a search for the ones responsible for the recent murders. So it just wasn't mentioned. Like we know, the media didn't give a fuck. And at this time, this man is 29 years old, Chris, and he's six foot, 200 pounds. Okay. And no one's seeing him. He's able to get away with murder and no one notices anything. And it seems like he's clearly choosing these like petite looking oh, yeah. smaller women. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. big bastard. You big dirty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Should we clown him now or later? Like we didn't even say what's a given. Look at that's what I'm like saying. An angry bird. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. He does. With this big old nose. You get on my nerves. And the thing is, is like, if you look at his face, mm-hmm. you just, there's something like that's slightly sweet about yeah. him. Yeah. It's like disarming if you allow it to yes. be. Yes. And so the fact that you're the one killing people, like, this is just, it's fucked up on so many different levels. They're always taking advantage, taking advantage of the comfortability, comfortability that people have around them. Wow. It's fucked up. On Wednesday, March 9th, 1994, Betty Balcom did not show up for her shift at the Bojangles on Central Avenue because this is the same place that Carolyn Love went missing from in June of 1992. The manager was like hella concerned, already on fucking go, and immediately reached out to her. But she never called back. And then she never showed up into work that day. The next day, when she didn't show up, the manager called the police. And when police searched Betty's apartment, they found her face down on her mattress, fully clothed and choked to death with a towel that had been twisted around her neck. And to the touch, she was like freezing cold because she had been dead for over 24 hours. Wow. Are they are the policing any like forced entry? Like, does it look like the person just came in? Yes, it just seems like the person was just allowed in. There's no forced entry. How are all of these women knowing this man then? Like, how do we they will get know to him? it? We will get to it. When processing the scene, the police felt like they finally had something they could use to catch the murderer. They saw that a TV and VCR were stolen from Betty's apartment, as well as Betty's blue car. So awesome. He stole her car. We have a bolo out for it. Let's find it. We'll probably find him. Okay. Well, while they're all out looking for this, mind you, they're also sending people out to go to pawn shops to see if you pawn the VCR and the TV. And while they're doing this, they're super excited. They're like, you know, shit, we might actually find something. Mm-hmm. Well, they get a call. 911 dispatch gets a call from the boyfriend of a woman named Brandy Henderson. And he was screaming that he just found her dead in her apartment. Good God. He when strikes again. Yep. When officers arrived to the scene, they realized it was the same apartment complex that they just found Betty's body in. Kayla. Y'all. I have never been so appalled at a six foot black man getting away without anybody like being sketched out, looking at him. I am so appalled. I wish he was profiled. (laughs) This and this moment. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. According to the boyfriend, he and Brandy lived together and he just got home after working the night shift when he saw the apartment was ransacked. And then he saw Brandy was dead in the bed with towels around her neck and their 10-month-old baby was in his room barely alive. 
and also had something tied around his neck. Kristen, I'm ready to fucking go to jail. He strangled the baby. Kristen, he tied a pair of shorts around the baby's neck and the boyfriend removed the shorts and then he tried to do CPR on Brandy, but unfortunately she was already gone. They rushed the baby to the hospital where the baby's life was saved. Thank God. You know, it did go through a lot of trauma and pain because of that, but he survived. I could cry right now. Right here, right now. I know. It's on and popping now. Mm -hmm. You didn't touch the baby? Oh, I'm coming for you. Like, everybody bolos out. I'm sending everybody (laughs) out. Everybody named Mama. We got to catch this motherfucker. Are you joking? I was about to say. I was about to say. Now, detectives are pissed the fuck off. They are, like, really really affected and gary mcfadden decided to pull his team together and go down the list of acquaintances and connections each woman had they realized that the only thing the women really had in common was a man named kristen go ahead henry henry lewis wallace Mm, mm, mm. and when they looked at the past murders they saw that shauna hawk and audrey spain had worked under henry at taco bell when he was a manager there Valencia Jumper was a really good friend of Henry's sister, Yvonne. Michelle Stinson visited Taco Bell often just to eat and talk to Henry while she was there. Vanessa Mack was one of Henry's ex-girlfriend's sisters. Mm, mm, mm. Betty Bauckham was friends with Henry's current girlfriend, Sadie McKnight. And I know her name sounds familiar because she was the roommate of Carolyn Love. Wow. Who it's was all connected. Yes, who was also working at Bojangles. Yep. What the fuck? Who kills this many people that they know, that they're close to? <laughs> and they're the getting away. Kayla, and he's for getting years. away with it. Oh, my, I can't even believe. And the thing for me, I was like, Sadie, Sadie, his girlfriend. Bitch, people are dropping like flies around you, and you don't even think... She's an idiot. You don't even, Kristen. Please, please she please, she please. probably knows something up too. But she's scared. Oh my gosh! Not scared enough. Not scared enough. Wow. They were all in his grasp because they were in close proximity, and it took mm-hmm. a baby getting strangled for you to draw the freaking lines to each other to see where they connect to take exactly to take that step to take a look and be like, okay, let's see how these can be fucking connected. Oh. And then with Brandy Henderson, her boyfriend was actually good friends with Henry. And he even told police that Henry would hang out with Brandy sometimes while he was at work. So Kayla, this it's is just insane. too much. And this is 1990s, bitch. Like we should have got a hold on stuff like this by now to not let someone like Henry slip out of our grasp. I mean, this is just this. It would just require detective work, good detective work. And they could have nipped this shit in the bud. So, but now, you know, they have an idea. They think they have their man. And when they pulled his record, they saw that he currently had an outstanding warrant for failure to appear in court for a recent larceny charge. Mm. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, we can pick him up regardless. Now. Mm -hmm. But they decided to approach Sadie first. And Sadie's clueless ass. She was like, I had no idea that he was doing these things to my close friends and my fucking roommate. And then the more that they started talking to her and, you know, things started coming out, I guess it started to make more sense to her because it's like, duh. And I feel like if she even thought about it all, maybe just one motherfucking time, she would have been able to put it together. But, you know, the hair you go was people just not trying to see the truth. 
Kristen, oh, it gets worse because over these last couple years, Henry was giving Sadie jewelry and bracelets and shit, some of which that looked super familiar to her mm-hmm. and ended up being the actual jewelry that her actual friends owned. So, Sadie, you're just a clueless hoe because <laughs> you don't even know that your boyfriend's Nothing. a killer and you don't even know that he's giving you the jewelry off of your friend's bracelet, your friend's wrist. Oh. That is... This is fucked up. Kayla, that is the most tragic thing. She's she's screwed mentally. Yeah. She can yeah. never probably trust herself again. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's definitely going to be questioning shit for a while. <laughs> and she should because this is just fucked up. <sighs> Police found Betty's car abandoned across town and inside were Henry's fingerprints, which were already on file. So I feel like <laughs> if they ran them in any other crime scene because there's no way that he didn't leave fingerprints before if they ran them any time before they would have found this but let's not even let's not even get hung up on we digress you know, how to be a good cop but anyway on march 12 1994 at around 5 p.m henry lewis wallace was arrested at a friend's house finally and this is what the fuck he was looking like kayla who is that tubby tubby <laughs> Big boned, boat sized, fat Albert, no shade. We will not fat shame on this show, but what oh, I will do not. is say that he struggles to breathe every day. And you oh, know yeah. he does. Oh, yeah. Why are you trying to be killing folks? Why are you trying to be killing folk? He's huge. He's huge, Kristen. Like, this is like, <laughs> when I look at him, this is what I assume black men serial killers to look like. <laughs> him yeah textbook textbook (laughs) outsider i mean and he almost Mm. looks like he's a genius like he could be very smart yeah he gives me like ed jink ed gain or ed gene vibes whatever the fuck that name is he looks like that yes he does bro yes Mm -hmm. he does calculated shy guy but like has some shit that goes on in his head that you do not want to see he looked like he talked like uh, that's how he looks like he talks you see his face chrissy come on i'm really holding it in (laughs) i really am it's true look at it i just don't know how he went from a to c (laughs) how did we get here this whole time you was eating and shit and you still killing folks are you joking girl robbing robbing females and he's on crack cocaine but you're supposed to be skinny <laughs> and they're petite women kill they had no chance i had no chance no chance and i don't think he was this big the entire time like when he was arrested he was like 200 pounds and here he has to be like at least 350 something he, he's something <laughs> commissary the fuck up something <laughs> because don't talk about his commissary books he be <laughs> girl he be he be eating he be eating it is what it is wow i hate him henry was taken to the law enforcement center instead of regular intake because he had about a half a dozen men waiting to talk to him about all of these lives he took over the last two years and while henry was in custody being interviewed another body was found Oh my gosh. Kristen, I wish I was making this shit up. I'm not even joking. He's a mastermind. This is like sick as fuck. 35-year-old Deborah Slaughter was found that evening raped, beaten, stabbed, and choked. 
with a white cloth shoved down her windpipe. So this is giving like, okay, this is my last chance to do everything that I want to do and I'm going to do it. Poor girl. She was the compilation of everything. Yeah. Everything. Oh, Lord. No, no, no. Poor Deborah. Deborah was his final known victim and was actually an intimately close friend of Henry's. I think they were, you know, intimate at one point that way. Oh, Jesus. And he murdered her and he took her life. He sure did for no motherfucking reason. So while in custody, Henry confessed to a lot and provided details to a lot. So we're going to go through all of that. And some of these details get really, really dark. He actually says these things. So I have some quotes in here. So just bear with me, y'all. It's it's not fun. It was initially thought that Henry's first victim was Carolyn Love in 1992, but he actually killed a woman, 18-year-old Tashanda Bethia, in early 1990, and then dumped her body in a lake near his hometown. Rest in peace. Oh, just so sad. And he was even questioned by police regarding her disappearance, but he was never charged with anything. And Tashanda's body wasn't found until weeks later. Wow. And where was her body found? In the lake? Um, I th- I don't know. I'm not sure. Rest in peace to Chandra. Rest in peace to Chandra. Henry was also a suspect in an attempted rape of a 16-year-old girl, but was never charged for that either. And by that time, his marriage had completely fallen apart and he lost his most recent job as a chemical operator. Oh, that makes me wonder, like, did Marietta suspect anything of him back then? Kristen, she could have. She really could have. I know. She seemed to get out quick, fast and in a hurry. Yeah, well, he was pushing kids on her. So she probably was like, you know, I'm not. That doesn't make me happy. I don't want to do that. So she probably got out for that. But there could have been a multitude of reasons. Mm. He could have been hitting her. I don't know. Yeah. And he could also, I mean, maybe once she left, he really snapped. Yeah. 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 I mean, was she black and was she a petite woman? Because it's given that. It's giving that, Kristen. It's giving exactly that. In May of 1992, Henry killed a woman named 33-year-old Sharon Nance. She was a sex worker, and when she asked him for payment after services rendered, he beat her to death and dumped her body by some railroad tracks where she was found a few days later. Wow. Just no heart. He has no heart. He was a killer from the start. Like, ruthless. And where did this come from? Like, he snapped. He snapped, Kristen. I don't fucking know. And he snapped too good. Very well, Kristen. Flew under everyone's radar, this big ass man. Are you joking? Kayla. And I'm like, why? And and I know it was his look. He Mm -hmm. looked like he was harmless. Big and all. Yeah. (laughs) Big teddy bear is what they probably thought. Mm -hmm. Just a few days later, he killed Carolyn Love. And to do that, he stole a key from his girlfriend, Sadie, and hid in the bathroom until Carolyn got home. He told her he wanted to make love, and she was like, you know, obviously no. And then he said he put her in a wrestling hold. He said, quote, I kept the hold on her until she passed out. And at that time, I moved her to her bedroom and removed her clothes, had intercourse with her, and at the same time, I was still applying the chokehold. She began to fight, so I used a curling iron that was near her bed, and I placed the cord around her neck. Just sick as fuck. Like, you're disgusting. Oh, you make me sick. Yeah, this is bad. My stomach actually hurts. He then put her body in her own bedsheets and dumped her body near Stevenson Road. He then said, quote, about two days later, I went back and the body had almost decayed to the point where she looked just like leather, an E.T. doll or something. 
Her body had decayed so bad. I went back about a week later and the only thing left was bones. End quote. <laughs> Kayla, like, he's going back to where he's laid the body as if he's curious as the death process. Hmm, I wonder how she's doing now. I mean, I think it was to see if her body had been found yet, you know, because like we know they weren't putting these murders in the paper. So he would probably was just trying to see if he'd gotten away with it, like for real, for real. Mm, mm, mm. He even went with her sisters to file a missing persons report at the police station. That is fucking Man. diabolical. You, you if, if, if I'm skating away from police like that, I'm feeling myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck if you feeling me. Are you and, joking? He's high off of this. And crack. <laughs> and, <laughs> and crack. You know? And Carolyn's body wasn't found until March 1994. Then he murdered 20-year-old Shauna Hawk after visiting her that day in February. They talked about an argument he had with Sadie, and he didn't like something Shauna said about it, so he just decided to kill her. He hugged her mom at her funeral and even met up with her months later to apologize to her mom for the loss of her daughter. Like saying, you know, my condolences still, I can't believe you're going through this. This is horrible. And just skating by. Nobody sees a glint in his eye. Nothing. (laughs) Kristen, like, what is happening? How is this able to happen? I need to see more video of him. There are some documentaries and stuff out there if you guys want to watch those to see more of of this man's fucking antics. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk more about that at the end. I'll give you guys the names. Do you feel he's a sociopath? I think... Oh, Lord. Kristen, I don't know. But let me just read the rest of all this horribleness. And then you guys will probably feel like, you know, <laughs> Okay. on June 22nd, he killed his co-worker, Audrey Spain. He told her he just wanted to smoke a joint, but really wanted to rob her. After they smoked, he got on top of her and choked her until she was unconscious and then dragged her to the bedroom and sexually violated her. He said, quote, she was coming to and she begged me not to hurt her. So I just performed sex on her. And then I told her to stand and put her clothes on. And as she stood up to put her underwear on, that's when I administered the chokehold. And from that, he only got like a Visa MasterCard. I think it was like a gift card. And then he had Exxon gas card. So I performed sex on her. I administered the chokehold. Who the fuck do you think you are? Thank you, surgeon. Thank you. And I love that you're picking up on his verbiage because it doesn't even seem like he's really trying to distance himself from how fucking horrible these crimes are. It just seems like he's trying to normalize them. Yes. He's trying to just say, this is just a part like a of procedure. what the fuck I do. You know, it's yep. just how it happened and there's nothing too crazy about it. As if it's like, I'm clocking in and I'm clocking out. There you go, Kristen. Just, oh, just sickening. In August, he killed his sister's friend, Valencia, and set her house on fire to cover his crimes. He said, quote, Valencia was like a sister to me. I don't even know why I ever hurt her, end quote. He said he went over to talk about an argument he just had with Sadie. And when he got there, they talked for a while when he asked Valencia to call Sadie and just let her know that he was, you know, at her house. So she didn't worry. When Valencia turned to dial the phone, that's when he put her in a body lock is what he called it. He said, quote, she begged me not to hurt her. She said, I'll do anything you want me to do. Just don't hurt me, end quote. And he took advantage of that because he loved when they begged for, you know, their lives. That was like something that he really got off on. You sick fuck. 
She even let him sexually violate her and performed oral on him out of, you know, complete fear. And she thought it could save her life. He allowed her to start getting dressed and then distracted her for a moment so he could wrap the towel around her neck. He said, quote, I put the towel around her neck and she just went out real quick. And I went to her kitchen and I noticed there was a bottle of rum, 151, and I poured the rum all over her body. And I went to the kitchen and opened a can of pork and beans and put it on the stove. I took the battery out of the smoke detector and I turned the stove on high. Then I went back to her bedroom and I took a match and I threw it on the 151. I left and went home. Cold. Calculated. He's giving you a list of groceries that he needs in order to to cook and barbecue. He's not even telling you that a movie that he saw that he enjoyed. It seems like there is no emotion there. Nothing, Kristen. This is really bad. Yeah, and I'm. Uh, yeah, it's it's bad, sister. I mean, good lord. Not to mention, he went to her funeral. What, Kayla? Why? What? There's a reason why he's doing this. He's close to these people. If he doesn't show up, it probably looks suspicious. So he, you know, these people are in his lives. He knows them, and they they don't suspect him whatsoever. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. They probably are. Dealing with their own shit, you know? And he's, he doesn't seem like he's overly aggressive with people because that just doesn't seem like that's a part of his personality from what people have said about him. So they really just were completely probably shocked. Wow. After he killed 24-year-old Betty Bacham, he took her car and pawned everything he stole except her car. He abandoned that. He then went back to the same apartment complex on the night of March 8th because he knew that his friend, who was Brandy Henderson's boyfriend, would be at work, leaving 18-year-old Brandy home alone with her 10-month-old son. Henry went to her house and said that her boyfriend asked him to drop off something and she didn't suspect a thing, so she just let him in. He then forced her to give him money and then forced her to have sex. Henry said, quote, We had intercourse, and afterwards she got on her knees and started praying because she was scared. And I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I said, give me a hug. And she hugged me. But I choked her out with a towel until she was red in the face and unconscious. End quote. The baby started crying, and he said he didn't want any unneeded attention from the neighbors, you know, that would stop him from being able to get away quicker. So he said, quote, I took a towel and placed it around the baby's neck, and I didn't want to tie it tight enough to choke him, just enough to make it difficult for him to breathe. (sighs) So I didn't want to kill him. I just wanted to suffocate him partially and give him brain damage forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Kayla, this is too- this is one of the worst. This is one of the worst cases with details that we've covered for sure. And just seeing his countenance and the way that he's talking, this is scary. Like oh, this yeah. is genuinely upsetting me. Oh yeah. When he killed Michelle, Michelle Stinson, he said he just wanted to rape her, and after showing up unannounced at her house around 11 p.m., he did just that. He said, "Quote: I went to the bathroom and I got a towel, but." put it around her neck and I strangled her but she kept moaning and groaning and so forth and so on so there was a knife in her kitchen and I think I stabbed her about four times just matter of fact cheese on my hamburger please 
So I can't deal with too much more of like the graphic details because she provides a lot. So I'm just going to tell you one more because you guys just have to hear the details about this one. So even after the bodies of Betty and Brandy were discovered and police presence was like up 10,000%, Henry was still bold enough to kill 35-year-old Deborah Slaughter and she was found on March 12, 1994. She was working at the same Bojangles Henry's girlfriend, Sadie, was working at. And he said he showed up at her house and asked if she wanted to go half on some cocaine with him. Mm. And she said that was too expensive. She couldn't do it. So then he beat her, strangled her with the towel, and then, you know, raped her. But Deborah fought back hard. She left scratches on him. She bit him on the shoulder. She even broke free and called out for the police and reached for a knife she had hidden in her purse. Mm-hmm. So she like got the knife in her hand and everything and she went to swing at him. But he said, quote, I caught her arm and I grabbed the knife from her and I stabbed her about 20 times. Good Lord. It was a little knife shaped kind of like a dagger. End quote. After he killed her, he left to buy some cocaine. And then he said, quote, but I went back to her apartment while she was laying on the floor dead. I went in her bathroom and smoked it. Y'all. Ew. Y'all, this is unheard of. And mind you, while he's attacking her, she's like talking to him and yelling at him. And she's saying, I knew it. I knew you were the Charlotte Strangler. And he's denying it. He's saying, it's not me, literally, as he's strangling her. And I just couldn't imagine the fear that she had in her bones, knowing that my gut instinct was right and I should have went with it. And now it's too late. You know, that poor woman. I can't I just can't imagine the fear. This is the first time we're hearing that someone has been on to him or someone peeped him. Right. Right. Wow. And it's just so sad because it just didn't matter. It was too late. According to Henry, he initially felt remorse after killing each woman, but he knew that it would eventually go away because it always did. Every time he killed, it went away. His main reason for the killing was to sexually attack and to rape he would also steal money and valuables to support his drug addict because you know he wasn't fucking working and he's clearly an addict but his main goal was to violate these women i hate him so much during the interview one of the investigators told henry that he didn't seem like a bad man by nature and asked him if he was like schizophrenic or something to which henry responded no there's only one henry a bad henry Another investigator asked Henry, quote, why have you told us what you've told us? And then Henry said, I've wanted to tell the story for a long time. If I wouldn't have told you, if I wouldn't have stopped, the killing would have continued and probably I would have killed myself as well. I've tried many times, but was unsuccessful. End quote. On April 4th, 1994, Wallace was officially indicted with nine counts of murder, among other charges like rape, assault. I'll list those later. But yeah, you're going to jail and you're facing the death penalty. Period. Psychopath. Fully. Look at him. Like he is Mm -hmm. so emotionally withdrawn. It makes zero sense. I know. And it had to be like maybe from what his mom did. Maybe he was killing these women because he hated his mom or, you know, Moretta for leaving him. Like, who knows? Who knows? Eight months after his confession, Henry's defense team would try to convince the court that his confession was coerced and that it should just be thrown out completely. And the court was like, that's complete bullshit, because when investigators asked Henry if he was open to speaking with them, he agreed. Mm -hmm. And throughout the entire interrogation, they gave him food. 
He was able to pee when he needed to. They even gave him time to like sleep. So miss me so with he was that chilling, like, And like he said, he had been waiting to give this information, waiting mm-hmm. to tell somebody. Exactly. He wasn't mistreated at all or misguided into falsely confessing. So that shit was dead. Mm-hmm. The trial was delayed for over two years because of choice of venue issues, jury selection, and receiving results of DNA evidence from the murder victim. So it was just a lot of shit that was holding it up. But nonetheless, the trial commenced. Since we all know he did it and there is not much fighting his defense can actually do, you know, to beat the physical evidence and the taped confession, Mm -hmm. we won't waste our time on all of it. And so on January 7th, 1997, 31-year-old Henry Lewis Wallace was found guilty of nine murders, eight rape charges, one count of second-degree rape, and 10 more charges. And on January 29th, he was sentenced to nine death sentences plus 10 life sentences plus 322 years. (laughs) And he deserved every single bit. Every red cent. And he did not react in any emotional way when the ruling and the sentencing was read because he is a soulless Satanist. Yes. Well, I I don't know Satanist because technically Satanists don't. Whatever. He's a soulless psychopath. And I hate He is void of emotion. It really doesn't feel like he feels much of anything. Nothing. Nothing that is positive. Just a lot of rage and hate and violence. A bad Henry. After his sentencing, Henry made a statement to the victim's families. He said, none of these women, none of your daughters, mothers, sisters, or family members in any way deserved what they got. They did nothing to me that warranted their death. Which is like, the sky is blue. You're fat and ugly. Sherlock. Like, thank you. So while on death row in 1998, Henry married a former prison nurse named Rebecca Teregis in a little chapel right next door to where he will actually die one day. He will be executed. Yeah. Gross. Henry had been trying to get the death sentences overturned, stating that his confessions were coerced and his constitutional rights were violated in the process. But all of his pe- appeals have been rejected. And that's what you get. And no execution date has been set yet for Henry. I read that Henry Lewis Wallace is considered to be America's first black serial killer and may have as many as 90 victims across the country, which I'm not really sure about. I know that sounds like a lot, which Samuel Little, we know about him. He was very, very prolific Mm -hmm. and had over 90 victims, but I'm not sure about Henry. It could be true, but hey, who knows? I mean, I feel like he's capable and culpable. He honestly seems like he kept it close to home. So to hear that he had 90 victims is a bit much. Right, right, right. It seems like he definitely had a specific victim pool and it was people that he knew. Mm -hmm. Plus, Samuel Little started killing way before Henry. So I think that's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. And if you guys want to watch a documentary about him, you guys can watch Bad Henry on Investigation Discovery Channel. And 2020 is actually coming out with an update of him and like his past cases on May 13th of like this fucking month. So like in two days wow. from the release of this episode. And it's just crazy how much I tried to include into this episode. This is a super long episode, longer than we usually do. But there was so much that I couldn't include. So please go check those documentaries out to really get the full thing. 
the full vibe. I'm definitely watching it because he is like almost in his own category, like nothing we've ever talked about Mm -hmm. because of how calculated, how void of emotion, how brutal he was and how sneaky he was to be able to get away with this for so long. To the people closest to him. I mean, he was going to funerals. He was going to the police station to make missing persons reports of people that he's killed. This is fucking crazy. And he's been killing people close to him. And nobody suspected anything until it was too late. Until they were told by authorities, hey, this guy is killing people. Crazy. Or in one of the victims' case, she freaking (sighs) knew it. Yeah, she felt like, you know, she had a vibe. She felt Mm -hmm. a feeling. Oh, it is just so sad. So sad. And that is our case for this week, you guys. Holy cannoli. What a doozy. What a doozy. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. How sadistic this person is. Do you think he's a sociopath, a psychopath? Let us know. Let us know, you guys. And rest in peace to all of the victims. They were gorgeous. If you guys want to see the pictures of them, follow us on Instagram at Black Jew Crime Podcast or visit us at blackjewcrime.com slash blog. I put them over there as well. And also, if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever else you can give one, honestly. It really, really helps us. And also tell everyone you know. Oh, and don't forget about the giveaway, okay? Friday, we're announcing it. Yes, 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 yes. Be there or be square. Also, if you're on Patreon, there's a little surprise happening over there, too, that I'm announcing on Friday. So mm, 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 excited about it. Love you guys so, so much. And as always, before we go, be safe, protect your peace and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. Period. Bye. Bye, y'all. You have a right to kill me. You have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.